0: Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at Enjoy today's message. So good to see all of you. Uh, it's so good to be in church today. And what I loved is that Uh, we had, I don't even know how many people were here, like maybe 50, 70 people before service praying uh, for this service. And could you tell the difference? There was something different. They set an atmosphere of faith for you. um, And we're going to be doing it over the next, at least the next two weeks. So join us, 9.30, just rock up and we'll be here praying. Uh, But we are in day seven of uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And as Damien said, uh, uh, every evening during the week and even on weekends, uh, the prayer team have been meeting. And I just want to honour Bola and Medupe uh, for your faithfulness. Why don't we give them a hand? Uh, they are incredible, uh, incredible couple and their heart for God um, and this house is just really to be commended. So we want to honour you and the faithful people that go every day and, uh, and you know who you are, we know who you are and uh, we want to honour you for your heart, uh, for prayer and, uh, and for the things of God. Uh, So tonight actually is every Sunday night at these at 5pm at the prayer meetings, we're going to be doing, they've organised a a worship and prayer night. So tonight at 5pm, we're going to be doing worship and prayer together. So you are more than welcome to come and join us. So we are in a series called Pray First. And as we've been saying, it is so easy to begin our year making plans, setting priorities, setting uh, directions for our life. And it's so easy to do it without God. But then when things start to fall apart or we start getting overwhelmed throughout the year then we pray. Then we pray as a last resort. But prayer is not uh is not an event. It's not 21 just 21 days of prayer and fasting. It is a lifestyle. Pray first is a lifestyle. And so that's what we're trying to speak into in this series. Pastor John started us off on week 1 talking about the but God moments. How Prayer activates God's hand. Uh, Pastor Jason spoke uh, a really faith-stirring message about how we pray over ourselves through the prayer of Jabez. If you weren't here last week, uh, I encourage you to listen to that. It's been very helpful for my prayer life this week too. And today I want to talk about something a little bit different. I want to talk about uh, sharpening your discernment. Sharpening your discernment developing this skill of discerning and listening to the voice and to the leadings of God in prayer every day. So we have the Bible. The Bible is like the commanded will of God, okay? We, God has given us His Bible, but every day on a daily basis, we are trying to discern the, the planned will of God, what is the planned will of God? Jeremiah 29:11 says, "For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future." Psalm 139 verse 16 says, "All of my days were written in your book and, and, and planned before a single one of them even began." So we want to know, what are those plans, God? what are those plans so we seek God maybe you're seeking God even now in these this time of prayer and fasting uh, God Lord do I stay in this relationship or do I get out Lord do I buy that house or do I not do I say yes to this opportunity do I um, do I confront my difficult supervisor what you know Lord what am I what's my purpose here or Lord how are you trying to speak to me through these circumstances that I'm going through So we we seek God in prayer and then our job is to discern and to listen to His voice. Now, I remember the first time that I sought God in prayer and and wanted to hear His voice. I I was 14 years old and I had just been asked to take on the youth group canteen. And to the 14-year-old girl, this was a big deal. You know, this was an open door. And, uh, and I didn't want to say yes unless God wanted me to say yes. So my dad would wake up early in the morning and go uh, on these like prayer walks. And so I remember saying to my dad, Dad, I want to I go with you. I'm going to join you. And he almost probably fell off his chair because I would never wake up early. He could never get me out of bed. But I did. I got up at 7am and and we he would walk on one side of the street. I would walk on the other side of the street And um, because, you know, I can't walk with him. I've got to pray on my own, you know. And uh, and so we're pounding the pavement and, uh, and I'm praying and I'm seeking God about, God, is this the beginning of my ministry for you? Lord, is this a good thing or is this a God thing? And, uh, and I, I remember just wondering, God, and even talking to my dad about, God, how, look, how, how am I going to know if it's you? How, how will I know if what you want me to do? How am I going to know what your voice sounds like? How will I know uh, if, if it is you? What will it feel like, sound like, all of that? You know, in, um, in John 10 verse 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So I didn't just need to learn the need to pray, how to pray, the rhythms of prayer. But over many, it's been now, what, two decades, I've been learning the um, the, the discernings, the, listening to the voice of God. And that has taken a lot longer than probably what I thought. It takes a lot to be sensitive to the Spirit of God and to hear the gentle leadings of God uh, so that we can follow Him. Because if we can't hear Him, we can't follow Him. So there was a a study that was done in the US and the UK of 400 corporations. And they found out that on average, a corporation would lose $62.4 million per year due to poor listening. Poor listening has a cost on a human scale. Uh, poor listening results in broken marriages, broken relationships, uh, broken families. And so we know there is a cost of listening. But what is the cost of not listening to God, of, of getting this wrong on a consistent basis? Jeremiah 25 verse 7 It says, But you did not listen to me, declares the Lord. And you have aroused my anger But by what your hands have made. And ultimately, it says, The cost is, and you have brought harm to yourselves. You have brought harm to yourselves. If we don't listen to God, life will be a lot harder than it needs to be. And maybe you have experienced this firsthand. You know, misspent money, lost time, Wrong turns, fractured relationships, lack of kingdom purpose in your life, uh, painful consequences. You see, we can build, plant and work with our own hands and build a life for ourselves that looks good. But at the end of the day, when we stand before God on judgment day, it could all count for nothing and it could all count nothing for eternity. So ultimately, right listening leads to right obedience. And so we want to be obeying and doing what God has asked us to do. So without listening and discerning, we just end up running our own lives. Okay, we just end up telling God in prayer. Our prayer life is us telling God what we want Him to do. We're on autopilot. We want a spiritual life, but we want to be in charge of how it unfolds. But the problem is, or the good thing is, is that God is speaking. He is alive. He is speaking to us all the time. He's speaking to us when we're on the toilet. He's speaking to us when we're stuck in traffic. He's speaking to us when we're in classrooms, when we're in meetings, when we're on construction sites. He's speaking to us uh, in funerals, in weddings, in our joys, in our losses, He's speaking to us through Christians, through non-Christians, through movies, literature. He's speaking all the time. The problem is many of us are not listening. I heard this story um, recently. Um, Actually, before I get that, so I want to quickly talk about the process of discernment Um, and then we're going to hone in on to one thing in particular, but um, so how do we listen to God? How? What are the ways that we hear God? So there is a process of discernment called outward, like an outward process of discernment. And that is, what does Scripture say? What does our circumstances say? And what does wise counsel say? But in the 1500s, there was a man called Ignatius of Loyola. He was a Spaniard, and he produced some writings and some guidelines that started to question if maybe there was something missing from these, this process, these guidelines. And he started to, to question, it, this outward stuff is good and it's very important, and we'll get to that. But he also started to say, how is God speaking within me? How is God speaking within me? He believed, and this was 500 years ago, he started to, to produce these writings and it still stands today. Um, he, he started to believe, he believed that God dwells in the deepest desires of those who are fully committed to His will and to His Word. And why, does he, why did he say that? Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Okay, it says it in many places, but in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16, it says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. God lives in us. And so Ignatius was saying the outward stuff is 100% part of it and most of it actually. But there is an element that we can't forget that the Holy Spirit lives in us, so our feelings and what the movements that are within us maybe can't be completely separated. That there might be that that we might need to listen to them. So the key scripture that he used was 1 John 1:4. 1, and that was do not believe every spirit, do not believe every feeling, uh, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Okay, so to discern the voice of God, that we would have to learn to test feelings, test what's going on inside of us, test these movements within us to see if they are in fact from God. Now, I heard this story about a man who, um, a young man who... uh, was married and got divorced after only two months, okay, after only two months. So this man, the story is, is that he uh, married his boss's daughter and this woman, um, I guess, came to him and said, I believe that it's God's will that, you, that, that we marry. God has told me that we must marry. And so he's like, oh, okay, that's intense. So he goes on a few dates with her but he doesn't feel anything for her. So he's a bit confused. What do I do? So he goes to his pastor and he asks his pastor, what should I do? And he said, is it possible that God would want me to marry her even though I don't have any feelings for her? And this pastor said, yes, it's possible. It's possible because you know the story of Hosea who married the prostitute. What? (laughs) That is the complete misapplication of the story of Hosea uh, to this particular context, and there is a wrong theology that somehow makes its way into the church that if it's going to cause you to suffer it's probably God, that God wants us to suffer and that we should not listen to our desires because they are all deceitful and are going to lead us astray. But this is wrong. I remember even when I was young and, um, and, and this touching me just a little bit was this whole idea that I was, I was scared that God was going to make me a missionary. I believed that God would make me a missionary against my will. <laughs> now, if you've ever met a missionary, you can't stop them from doing what God has called them. It is so in their heart. Uh, but I was scared that God would make me do it against my will. But this is wrong theology. Now it's true in Jeremiah 17, verse 9 to 10, where it says um, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. But it also goes on to say in verse 10, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and I examine secret motives. God can help us to examine and to process our heart and feelings The Bible also says in Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9, follow the ways of your heart and desires of your eyes, but remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. Young people say, yolo, you only live once, but we actually, yolo, we only live twice. (laughs) Follow your heart, but remember we are accountable to God. So process our feelings with God and held accountable to Him. And, And Psalm 37 verse 4 Most people who've been in faith would know this: delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. So, God is in the business of putting His desires into the hearts of godly people, of sanctifying our desires for His purposes. And so, Ignatius believed that we needed to teach and equip followers of Jesus how to discern and to test these movements within us to know if they are from God or not. How do I know if that's God or just me? Or is it just me? Or is it what I ate for dinner last night? How do I, how do I know? What should I read into? What shouldn't I? So I want to talk about that for the rest of the time we have together. How do we sharpen this internal discernment within us? And I really do believe uh, that that this is going to be helpful for you today. God uh, put this on my heart to share two months ago, and I've just been sitting on it. And I really believe there are some of you that are in the valley of decision, not just for little decisions, but decisions that are going to affect your whole family, that is going to affect generations to come. And so some of you, this is going to be really helpful, at least for some of you, maybe all of you, but at least for some of you. So number one, how do we sharpen internal discernment? Is slow down to surrender, surrender to discern God's will. We actually, and this might seem opposite to what I was just saying, but we need to be open to doing what God says. Psalm twenty-five verse nine says, "He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them His way." The opening premise is that uh, to discernment is that we are willing to be obedient, no matter the cost. Lord, I will go and be a missionary if that is what you call me to do. (laughs) When we don't stop to surrender, my will and God's will easily gets confused. And surrender to God's will is actually a a key assumption. The first two points are gonna be key assumptions that without these two, it just doesn't work at all. Okay, so it's a key assumption in discernment. It's in this place of, that's why I said slow down. It's in this place of having time to to for solitude for silence for seeking god that that we are able to uh bow our will and and leave our desires and our wants and our motives and to a place of detachment where we can pray with all sincerity of heart lord i will do whatever it is that you want me to do no matter what i what, what's in my heart lord you have permission to move me you have permission to move me. It's where we let go of our desires and detach from our way. I remember uh, when Jason first asked me out on a date. It was uh, 10 years, about ten years ago now, and uh, and and we had a, a big history, uh, Jason and I. And uh, we actually didn't speak for two years leading up to him asking me out. So it went from like zero to, hey. would you want to go out on a date with me? <laughs> and, uh, and I actually still had feelings for him despite it being two years of not having contact. Um, so instead of saying yes, because I had feelings for him, I actually said to him, uh, I want you to give me three weeks, uh, and you can't contact me. Three weeks with no contact from you and I'm going to seek God of what I should do. And, uh, and in those weeks, I remember just—I remember having times of just bowing before God in my room, just saying, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I will do. If you want me to say no, even though my feelings were saying one thing, but if you want me to say no, Lord, I will say no. Help me to make this decision, Lord. Now, you might say, Alyssa, why this extreme process? You sound like a very intense person, <laughs> it's just a date, Alyssa, he wasn't asking you to marry him. (laughs) But I knew that opening this door would change the course of my life. At least it would change the next few years of my life. It was going to open something for me. And it's really hard when it comes to matters of the heart, when you really want something, it can be really hard to discern God's leadings and our feelings, particularly when it comes to when you're choosing a life partner, or it's just something that you really want. And some decisions also just have big consequences. Some you know, you know what I mean? Some decisions have big consequences, and so we need to allow the time to bow our will, to, to surrender ourselves to a place of detachment, of saying, God, whatever you want, I will do. Have you done this before? Do you need to do it for any area of your life right now? Maybe it's broadly just to come before God with that, with that posture of surrender to say, God, have your way in my life. I don't even know what I'm praying, God, but have your way in my life. Or maybe it's a decision that you're currently having to make that you need to come and humble yourself before God and say, your will, not my will, God. So this is a prerequisite and an ongoing part of discernment, that we have a posture and a heart that surrenders before God. Number two is saturate yourself in the Word. Uh, Another key assumption when it comes to internal discernment is that we are committed to the Word of God. And this is a a key scripture uh, when it comes to this. Hebrews 5 verse 14, I love this scripture. It says, But solid food, the Word, is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. What is it saying? It's saying that the powers of discernment are rooted in saturation and maturity in God's word. There is no discernment without mature, thorough understanding and application of God's word no feelings or circumstances can override God's word okay it is on our lips it is in our hearts it is the basis and the starting point of every decision that we make and the wonderful thing is as it says as we mature in the word that's why it takes time the 14 year old me was only getting started As we mature in the Word, that we are able to grow in our ability to discern and trust these internal movements. And it says to be able to distinguish between what's me and what's God, between what's good and what's evil. And so it's the maturity of the Word within us that starts to produce a trust of what the Holy Spirit is doing within us. You want greater discernment? And I believe we all do. Then This is what we must do, is be committed to the Word of God. We can't grow in it without it. So number three, now we can move on to some other ones, but we have to start with those two, okay? Number three is listen to your feelings. Now, I am not promoting that we blindly follow feelings, but to acknowledge them as part of, everyone say part of, Part of the way that God communicates to us, these gut feelings, these emotions that we feel are raw materials. they are not God okay but we can test them to see if they are from God. So Ignatius uh, he suggested in his guidelines that we that we uh, pay particular attention to what he called constellations and desolations. So let me explain it. Consolations are experiences, relationships, events that bring joy, that make us feel alive. It's things that happen to you every day that something within you just feels alive. Things that draw us closer to God. We pay attention to that. He also said to pay attention to experiences that drain us. Pay attention to relationships that are draining us, that bring dread, that bring fear and anxiety and and that disconnect us, that sort of take us away from believing or trusting in God or distract us from God. And he suggested that we, we examine this daily, that we would become aware of these feelings and with constant practice, constant practice, with maturity in the Word, with being a willingness to do whatever God wants, that we would start to understand what is God? Is God trying to speak to me through this? How is God trying to work in my life? Now, many of us have not thought, unless you've done Accelerate, because we talk about this a bit, you have probably not thought about how do we integrate emotional health with our spiritual life? We see them as completely separate things. But if we look at the Bible, the the writers of the Bible, Jesus Himself was not emotionally repressed. He felt, He expressed, He felt anger, joy, sadness. He he experienced it. And yet it's so common in the church that, that either we have learned to not trust our feelings, we have learned not to trust feelings or not to pay attention to them, or we give our feelings too much airtime and they're controlling us. But in both cases, we have not learnt to handle our emotions as an issue of discipleship or and as a tool of discernment. And so that's what we, we can learn in growing in this area. So let me give you uh, some examples of just how this has played out in my life in the last couple of months. A few months ago, um, it was a Saturday, and I, I noticed that I was feeling uh, very unsettled, unsettled, fragile, even like anything could just trigger me to feel like crying. But nothing, but nothing in particular. And I told my husband about it, and I'm like, okay, well, it's just a one-off thing. And then it happened again the following Saturday, and then it happened again the Saturday after that. So three Saturdays in a row, and I, by then, I'm really paying attention to it, and I'm going, Lord, what's you know what's going on? And I, over time, I said, God, speak to me. Are you, are you trying to, you know, come to me through this and show me something that's that's not right within me that I need to do or or pray through? Or... And it and it, and it over time, it became evident that, one, I needed to change my day off uh, because I was doing way too much. I had responsibilities that were falling on my day off and that I also needed to pull back from things. I just started slowly after having, coming back from maternity leave, I just started to slowly add things in and not realising the toll. So that Saturdays became this emotional dump day and it was signalling to me, you're not coping with the load. I felt fine, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> but my emotions were saying, no, you're not. So I listened to that. Um, I remember the times in the past when I've not been very emotionally healthy and uh, where I've ignored these desolations, these feelings of dread and drain within my life. and those times, whether it was in relationships or in seasons of my life, I I would ignore it and I'd just stay in it. And that thing would become more and more dysfunctional, more and more unhealthy. And there were more and more things that were going unsaid and that weren't being dealt with. And now when when I start to notice that I'm experiencing a relationship starting to become draining, I, I start dreading wanting to spend time with people or doing things, I ask myself, the Holy Spirit, how are you trying to work in my life right now? Is it something that I need to clear the air? Do I need to forgive? Am I holding on to something? Is there an adjustment? Do I need to set a boundary? Do I need to how do I need to make sure that I'm guarding this area of my life? Is it a new season approaching in my life? Are you trying to show me that something needs to die off and something new needs to come to life? Desolations don't always mean leave. Sometimes it means God wants to work in us. And that's why I say it's an issue of discipleship. God's trying to show us something that we need to pay attention to. You know, I also notice when God, when I'm experiencing consolations, feelings of joy in life. You know, even, even in yeah, recent months, I've noticed that I feel a lot of joy when I, when I spend time with other mums. I just feel so refreshed afterwards when I'm teaching and accelerate, when I'm preparing a message. There's just times when I just feel this unexplainable joy in my, in my heart. I can't even, it's not even natural. It's, there's this spiritual joy that I just feel, because I'm not a very emotional person, but I just feel so elated within and I can see that God is showing me, this is where I'm gracing you. This is where I want you. I want you to give your time and your heart to these things. So as we listen to it, we begin to be led by God as we discern what God is trying to do in these areas. So unprocessed, buried, ignored emotion, it doesn't disappear, guys. It doesn't disappear. It just comes out in us in different ways. It comes out in, in high blood pressure, panic attacks, IBS, anxiety, depression, anger, Uh, defensiveness, tears, sarcasm. It just comes out of us. Emotions leak out of us when we don't process them with God. So how does God work through emotions? Let me just give you three different emotions and how God actually wants to grow us and, and work with us with these. So sadness, sadness. Sadness signals hurt and loss. When we feel sad about something, we feel like we're losing something. And God wants to help us to grieve and to let go. You know, Psalm 30 verse 5 says, Weeping comes for the night, but joy comes into the morning. When we process sadness with God, sadness becomes the pathway to joy. How beautiful is that? Anger. Anger is another negative emotion. All Christians should it be angry. No, it's, it's an emotion that tells us something is wrong. And we feel like we're we're losing something that matters to us. And so when we process anger with God, God helps us to move through anger to solve problems, to find solutions. We don't get stuck in anger. We move through to find solutions. Fear is another emotion that signals danger. Fear, again, is is not bad, What it does is, you know, the Bible tells us to fear not. So we think, oh, that means I can't fear. No, fear not. Why? Because the Lord will protect us because He is with us. If we don't process fear with God, then we actually can't choose to trust Him. And so with God, fear becomes the pathway to great faith. So God wants us to move through our emotions. He wants to move in us so that we can be led by Him. So emotion is a gift from God, but it is not God. (laughs) It is a, 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 a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. So we must learn to test feelings. Pay attention to them, but test them. Listen from the outside. Listen Know what Scripture says. Listen to counsel, even prophetic words. But we also must learn in in maturing. We must learn how to listen from the inside. Listen to how is the Holy Spirit moving within me. How is He moving my heart and my desires to bring this together? Proverbs two, verse one to two, and then verse ten. It says, "My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you." So we're talking about God's word, saturation in God's word. If you turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, so you're surrendering to God's will, what he says. It says in verse 10, and it continues to go on about seeking and, and desiring what God God's ways. It says, Then wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Something will change on the inside. God will do it. Number four, when seeking God's guidance and sharpening these skills, Is this helping somebody today? I hope it's helping people. Surround yourself with mature community. Surround yourself with mature community. So back to when I was making that decision about about whether or not to go on this date with Jason. Um, In those three weeks, I very intentionally sought mature counsel. I told my parents, I told um, my mentor, and I told my counselor. Okay, now my counsellor, he was like a grandfather to me. He's someone that I invited into my life probably a few years before that and he was just so helpful to me. And I spoke to all these people because they knew our situation well and I knew they would be honest with me. And so when I, uh, and I was asking all of them these kind of questions, how should I make, not what decision should I make, I said how should I be making this decision? What should I be considering in this decision, because I have no experience in this. How, you know, I said, you know, what what perspectives can you give me from your life? I said, you know, uh, what do, what do you, when you look at this situation from the outside, what do you see? And I remember my Christian counsellor, uh, again, he's a beautiful older man, and he said to me, Alyssa, if after two years you still have feelings for this boy, I think you need to see if something's there. <laughs> Very down to earth unemotional, but then what was beautiful is that he then helped me to work out how do I go about it in a way that I felt comfortable with, in a way that would produce wisdom and, and safety for us both moving forward. And it was so helpful to us. You know, he didn't, he didn't tell me say yes or no, but but he helped me to make a decision and to, to move forward with wisdom. You know, whether it's count, counselors or, or leaders or authority over you, Who do you submit yourself to? Who do you submit yourself to for advice, for wisdom? Not peers, I'm not talking about peers who who are gonna tell you what you wanna hear, you'll feel bad to say anything that, you know, is gonna upset you. Also not people who are gonna tell you uh, what to do, people who will try to control you. Beware of people who tell you, you should do this, you should do that. Do you know why? Because you end up following their voice, not God's. And you will never mature. You'll become dependent on them, but you will never mature to, to actually hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so we tell like our mentors, even in the staff, we say, do not tell them what to do. Just help, ask, find people, mature people in the word that know how to ask good questions. They know how to help you make the decision for your life, because it's your life. And also to know how to, how to, how to, people who can help you to walk out that decision with wisdom as well. So, leadership is a gift. It can be a gift. Not all people are a gift, but good people, mature people are a gift. Find people who love you, who can tell you hard things with kindness, who, um, you know, you might be praying over a decision at the moment and it's not straightforward. It's not straightforward. You know, sometimes the things that we're seeking God about are, are complicated. It's complicated. And I and I preached about this probably a couple of months ago on, we were talking about healing from wounds. And one of the things I said, and I'll say it again, is that sometimes we can be consoled by the devil and we can be disturbed by God. So sometimes the enemy comes and put his arm around us and he tricks us into thinking that, yeah, I should... I should feel and do all these things because it makes us feel good. And sometimes it's God that's disturbing our peace, not giving us peace. And so that's why we need mature counsel. When situations are complicated and when it's not clear, the feelings within you are not clear, when, when the word is not clear on your situation and when circumstances are not clear, that's where we have mature counsel, where we seek to hear the voice of God with what they're saying. Again, they are not the voice of God, that we're listening to the voice of God through mature counsel to discern what is the Holy Spirit saying to me. Proverbs 19 verse 20 says, Listen to counsel, receive instruction, and accept correction, that you may be wise in the time to come. Sometimes we need to borrow wisdom. We don't have it ourselves, so we need to borrow it. And lastly, uh, and simply, uh, very quickly, is give it time. Number five, give it time. And uh, the worship team uh, will come up. You know, waiting on the Lord takes time. He's not in a rush, you know. Uh, time and waiting is an important element of hearing from God. I remember when I finished a university and then out of nowhere I got this opportunity to go into ministry. It was completely not on my radar. It was a, a complete course adjustment. I was going to go into business and make lots of money. You know, that was my plan for my life. And then this opportunity came around and it took me six months to give an answer, six months to say yes or to just give an answer of waiting on God. Even after I I heard from God, I think God gave me this prophetic word, I think in January, I didn't say yes for another three months, I was just waiting on God, observing over time. What is God doing within me? Is you know I didn't want to get caught up in you know uh, emotion or oh yeah I've got this word yep I want to go do it but over time what was God doing in my spirit? Is the desire increasing or de- decreasing? And I spoke to people outside the church, I spoke to people within the church, but it just needed time. And sometimes when we've got a big decision to make, and maybe you have one now too, sometimes the bigger the decision, the more time it takes. To make that decision and to and to take it to God in prayer and in surrender. So when you face when you face these decisions that are huge course corrections for you or your family, uh, observe over time does inc- does desire increase or decrease? Sleep on it, fast on it, uh, go on prayer walks. That's a really good thing. Pray at length on it, and if you don't feel at peace with a decision. Just ask for more time. Don't feel pressured. Allow God to speak to you, because waiting on God takes time. I'll end with this verse here. It says in Psalm 32 verse eight to 10, it says, "I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. We can trust that God will guide us lovingly that He is always speaking. He dwells within us. He is always speaking, always guiding. But let's sharpen our ears to hear His voice. Let's listen to the voice of the shepherd and then let's follow Him. Let's be open and tender to be who God is calling us to be. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I want to give us an opportunity today. Uh, And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand to respond to it. But all I'm going to do is give you an opportunity today to humble yourself in surrender. You know, we often don't slow down enough to do this. Uh, But if you sense this is something that you need to do before God, maybe it's because you realise, you know what, I haven't done this for a while. Maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you've just realised you've been getting caught up with opportunities and wants and desires and you just haven't slowed down to make space for this kind of prayer before God. Maybe there is a decision that, that you're making and, and you just wanna humble yourself before God to say, God, have your way. And so right now, wherever you are, if you wanna adopt that posture before God, would you take some time in your own words just say Lord have your way in my life whatever it is that you're going whether it's a posture of your life broadly just God I don't even know what I'm praying (laughs) but Lord I want to surrender myself would you do it today whether it's your hands are by your side and it's within or maybe you literally have your hands out in surrender maybe you want to sit maybe you want to kneel whatever it is today but would you make some space right now to saying Lord not my will but your will Whatever it is that you ask me, I will do it. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.